0: We've been talking about kingdom living, and when specifically we've been talking about uh, the fact that God has given us power over darkness. And He's also given us power, I believe, over sickness and disease. And And I've talked about this a couple of Sundays, and, and, and I, I just want to share a little bit today. I don't know how far I'll get into this, but in the kingdom of heaven, sickness and disease have no power over its inhabitants. There's no sickness in heaven. How many of you realize that? Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within us. He lives within every believer. and His his kingdom is within us. And Jesus has given us authority over the enemy, and He's given us the authority over all the enemy's tools. And folks, sickness and disease are some of the enemy's tools. He has given us those things so that we can use them. And if we'll learn the lessons that Scripture teaches... Folks, we'll be more effective in our ministry. Now, I shared with you the first time I taught on this. I don't know all the answers, okay? I don't know why God heals this person and does not choose to heal this person. Or why He works this way here and He doesn't work that I don't have those answers, okay? I'm not God, but here's what I plan to do the rest of my life. I plan to pursue Him, okay? Not healing, not miracles, Those things are important, but I plan to pursue Him and go after Him. Because I believe that if I will pursue Him and pray, He will intervene in the communities around me. I believe He'll work in the people's lives. If I just go after Him, He'll do the work. We went down this week, and you know, I've been talking to you about the gospel is proclamation but it's also demonstration. You don't just demonstrate it all the time, you proclaim it, but you don't proclaim it all the time without demonstration. And we have a lot of proclamation in America and very little demonstration. This week, the five of us could say, Hello, how are you? And that's pretty much it. We pick up a word every once in a while. So there wasn't a lot of proclamation that we could do. So we demonstrated it. We served people. The people there in Potus, the people from uh, First Baptist and from Bethany Baptist and, and from Mount Horeb Temple, the Assembly of God Church, they proclaimed it. And what God t- did is He took that proclamation and He took that demonstration and put them together and He changed people's lives. And, folks, He'll do the same with us. I just believe that if, if we will proclaim and we'll demonstrate that the kingdom of God will come in a powerful word word, way. You remember that Paul said the kingdom of God is not just words. It's power. It's God's power. Now, I want to remind you about this. Healing comes from God. We don't heal people. Amen? God heals people. We're not healers on our own. It's God's power. Even if you've got a spiritual gift of healing, You don't heal anybody. It's God who heals them through you. We're conduits, okay? God is still the one who heals. And what God is looking for this morning are some conduits who are clean and who are ready and who understand what the Bible teaches on this subject. And He's looking for some men and women who are not afraid to step out in faith and fail. Because if you're afraid you're going to fail, you will never pray for someone to be healed. You'll never witness to anyone. You'll never share the gospel. If you're afraid, you're going to fail, okay? Let me just tell you that. You're going to pray for people, and their lives are not going to change. But I'll guarantee you, if you go after God and you keep praying, and you keep sharing the gospel, you will see people come to Christ, and you will see God work miracles in their life. That's what the Bible teaches. We're to imitate Jesus. And Jesus healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. He healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit, folks, is resident in every believer this morning. Every believer in this room, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And He will work through you just like He worked through Jesus. And so this morning, I just want us to look at how Jesus did it. Okay? I've got a an agenda in a sense, and I'll I'll share that agenda at the end. But I want to make a point this morning. You know, perhaps if we'll look at how he did it, then we'll have more success as we do it, or as we attempt to do it. So I'm just going to share some things. I'm going to share how Jesus did. I'm going to share a couple of points that I've I've probably already shared, but I I think they're important. And the first one is is that Jesus acted fully in the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, Jesus was God. Amen? But the Bible also teaches that He was man. And everything He did as a man, folks, He did in the power of the Holy Spirit. He did not use His God attributes. He listened to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowered Him. You see, Jesus did that, Because we needed an example of what it looked like to be a Spirit-filled person. You see, if if Jesus used any of His God attributes to do something, you and I can't do that. But I believe that the Bible teaches that He, He set aside. I don't mean He lost, He gave up. It's that He chose not to use His Godness to do anything. Instead, He listened to what the Father was doing, He looked at what the Father was doing, He listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and He acted. He obeyed. And folks, if we will learn to do that, God will use us. Jesus did not possess a sin nature. In other words, He didn't have what all of us had in that one aspect. He was, crea- he was not created. Adam was created without a sin nature. Jesus was born without a sin nature. That's what the incarnation is. God took on human flesh. And there was no sin nature there. And so the Bible says, in fact, John says this in John chapter 3, verse 34. John says, for he, and he's talking about Jesus, for Jesus is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God gives him the Spirit without limit. See, Jesus possessed the Holy Spirit without limit. Now, how many of you realize that we are limited? This is not a trick question. Okay? We are limited. But do you realize we are not limited by God? We are limited by our own sinfulness and by our own selfish desires and by other things that are in our life, folks. Jesus was full, running over. The more he needed of the Holy Spirit, the more there was. And folks, that can be true to a degree in our life. As we get rid of the sin, God will fill us with more and more and more of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit indwells you if you're a believer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being empowered. There's a difference. I know people who have the Holy Spirit within them but have very little power. God wants to fill us, folks. One of the reasons we don't see more success in this area of healing is is that, like I said, our, our filling is limited. Uh, it's limited by our own sinfulness and our own disobedience and our own desires. So Jesus acted fully in the power of the Holy Spirit. He depended on the Holy Spirit to guide Him to the people that that God wanted Him to heal. Jesus did not heal everybody in Palestine when He was there. You do understand that. Okay? Nod your heads if you agree with me. But listen to me. He healed every person who came to Him and requested it. The Bible does not give us one incident of an individual coming to Jesus and Jesus turning them away. So secondly, first of all, He acted fully in the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, Jesus took His, what I call, marching orders from God. Jesus didn't just go out and do what He wanted. Now, He's God. But He listened. He obeyed the Holy Spirit, and He listened to the Father. Jesus healed the people that God chose to heal. Now, if you have a problem with that, you have to take that up with God, and you have to take it up with Jesus. But that's what Scripture teaches, that that Jesus, He didn't heal everybody but He healed a lot of people. There were towns that He went to where it says and He healed everyone. And there are other towns that He went to where it says and He only healed a few. Or He only healed one. Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. And I've been there. Bethesda, or Bethesda. And it's huge. And it was filled with sick people when Jesus went there. He healed one man that day. The rest of the people were left there. Still sick. He did exactly what God was showing him to do. He did nothing more and he did nothing less. And you know what? That's what I want for my life. I want everything that God has for me. You know, I don't want any more than that. But I don't want any less than that. I don't want to get to heaven and God say, Nelson, you settled for a lot less than I wanted to give you. I hope I get there and He'll say, Nelson, you know what? You were crazy. You were beyond belief. You were wild-eyed. I... He's not going to say that. I want everything that God has for us. And so, folks, he looked to see, Jesus looked to see what the Father was doing. He listened. We've got to learn to listen. I mean, we hit the ground. Phew. I learned this week take a long look around, listen to God. If God says do this, then do it. If God doesn't say do it, don't do it. Don't do anything God doesn't say, and God shows up and shows out. And that's that's what I saw this week take place. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said this. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself. Well, He's God. How can He do nothing of Himself? Because He limited His Godness. And He chose to act as a man. The Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does... These things the Son also does in like manner. In other words, Jesus saw what His heavenly Father was doing in the spiritual realm, and He did it in the physical or the natural realm. And folks, that's why we have to learn to listen to God. There's lots of things God wants to do. And He's looking for men and women who will partner with Him And do exactly what He tells them. And whenever we act on what God tells us, God works. God does it. Our problem is we run ahead of God and we want to do this and this and this. And then we we wonder why He didn't act. And then we create a a theology to back that up. And then we are where we are today in most churches. We've got a theology. It's well uh, developed, but it explains why God no longer acts anymore. The reason he no longer acts anymore is because people no longer listen anymore. God is looking for men and women who will listen. God gave me a word this week for the Assembly of God pastor and his wife. And I've learned when God gives me something to give it to him. And so I was going to give it to him that Sunday night. There's just a ton going on. So I made Armand who was, who was transporting us and showing, I made him promise me that you will get us a meeting with them because I'm not going back to Alabama disobedient. I am going to tell them what God told and, and And I was able to do that. And folks, if we'll just listen, God will speak. He'll speak. Now, so we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and we learn to imitate Jesus in that when we hear the Holy Spirit speak, we do only what God's doing. We do exactly what God wants us to do. Now, The question is then, what kind of methods did Jesus use? In other words, Nelson, tell me what I can do and do and do and this will happen. In other words, tell me number one, tell me number two, so that number three always takes place. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you up front, there is no pattern. There is no magical thing that we can do. We're just going to look at Jesus for a few minutes. I'm going to take an extended trip through Scripture and just show you how many different ways jesus acted i mentioned earlier we have no recorded or no record in scripture that anyone who ever came to jesus was refused for healing so it's safe to say that everyone who came he healed so let's deal with the first issue that always comes up well you don't have enough faith many ever heard that well obviously they didn't have enough faith Faith is important, okay? It really is important. It's probably more important for the people that are praying for the healing than it is for the person being prayed for, okay? You see, there is nothing God needs to heal someone. He doesn't need faith, He doesn't need anything. But, folks, for us to please God and to obey God, we need faith. The Bible never tells us how much faith you have. Every time I hear someone say that, I, I want to say this. Well, how much faith do you need? Where, where's the cutoff line? I mean, do you have to have this much or this much or this much or just this much? You see, there's no answer to that. Faith's important. But many who teach healing unequivocally declare that unless you have enough faith, you cannot be healed. Listen to me. Healing does not depend on a person's faith. It depends on God. God is the healer, not faith. We put too much faith on faith and not enough faith in God. God's the one who heals. I'll give you some examples. You remember in Mark chapter 2? I'm going to read verse 5 and verse 11, but it's the story of the lame man that that his friends let him down through the Scraped away the roof tiles. They couldn't get to Jesus. They let him down on a pallet. Listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus seeing their faith. Obviously, the man had no faith. Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. In the verse 11, he says, I say to you, rise up, take up your pallet, and go home. And guess what the, the paralytic did? He had to change his name. Because he's no longer paralyzed. He got up and he went home. So there are, are times when the person had no faith. But now, there are also times when people came to Jesus and they were sick and they had tremendous faith. An example of that is, is the lady who had the issue of blood. The crowd's pressed all around Jesus. And this woman, has just, she's, she has this in her mind that if I can just touch him, I'll get what I need. And so she stretches as far as she can stretch through the crowd and she rubs a fringe on Jesus. By the way, that was his prayer shawl. That was his talith. And she just barely touched it. And that issue of blood, the Bible says, dried up just like that. And and Jesus felt power go out of him. It doesn't say Jesus sent power out of him. It says Jesus felt power go out of him. Why? Because that woman exercised faith. Now, here's the lame man. He has no faith. On the other side, here's here's the the woman with the issue of blood. She's got tremendous faith. Jesus said to her in Mark chapter 5, He turned, He said, Who touched me? And then He says this Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, if you keep reading and studying Scripture, you'll find that, that there were even areas where Jesus was limited. In other words, he couldn't heal everybody. He could only f- heal a handful of people, and why? Because they didn't have any faith, and because they were unbelieving. If you look in uh, in Mark chapter six, verse five and six, his hometown Nazareth was a place like that, and it said, "And Jesus could do no miracles there, except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and he healed them, and he wondered at their unbelief." So faith is important. But it's more important for us when we pray. Folks, if you don't believe God will heal somebody, please don't pray for them. Okay? Whenever I, I, you'll hear me do this. Whenever, Often, whenever I call some folks up to come and pray for a person, I'll say this. Hey, if you don't have faith for healing, just stay in your seat. The healing is important. I mean, the faith is important. But folks, it's not essential. For the person who needs to be healed to have that faith. I've seen people who had tremendous faith that God did not heal. And I've seen others that had very little faith and God healed. Why? Because God is not limited by a person's faith. Now, what were some of the means that Jesus used? Well, we all want a method. We want to teach us how to do this, this, and this, and then we'll this will happen every time. Well, Jesus had some methods, okay? The only problem is they're all over the board. There's, there's Sometimes He does it this way. Sometimes He does it that way. Sometimes He combines it. And I'm just going to show you that. And sometimes He uses some unorthodox in the way I think crazy means, okay? And I'm just going to share some of those with you. Very often... Jesus would lay his hands on a sick person. He would play. He would touch them. You see him touching lepers. You see him touching prostitutes. You see him touching tax collectors. You see him touching people that uh, that had fever. And one of those uh, is 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 in Matthew chapter eight, verse fourteen and fifteen. It says, "And when Jesus had come to Peter's home, he saw Peter's mother-in-law." By the way, Peter was married. That messes up. A whole segment of Christianity's theology right there, but it's in the Word. He was married. He had a mother-in-law. He saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And listen to what it says. And he touched her hand. He put his hand on her hand. And look what happened. And the fever left her, and she arose and served him. He didn't say anything. He didn't pray anything. He didn't declare anything. He just touched her. Okay. Sometimes, though, he just spoke a word. there was no touch. that happened with the man who had the withered hand that that he healed on Sabbath in mark chapter three verse three through five it said, and Jesus said to the man with the withered hand now he's having a the, he's not having an argument, but the Pharisees are having a big argument. they're arguing with him whether or not he ought to do things like this on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus just got, I I can imagine, he just got kind of tired of the argument. and said, hey, stretch your hand out. He said, rise and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And after looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now Jesus didn't touch him. He just spoke to him. He said, stretch out your hand. And as the man stretched his hand out, you know what happened? His hand was healed. Now, the most common, so Jesus spoke, speaks a word and He heals. Jesus touches and He heals. The most common method that He uses is He combines those two. He speaks a word and lays hands on them at the same time. There's a woman who came to Jesus and, and she had been bent over double. That's the way the Scriptures put it. She was bent over. She couldn't straighten up. And she had been sick for a long time. And the sickness, this particular sickness, was caused by a demonic spirit. Now, not every sickness is caused by a demonic spirit, but this particular one was, and some are. And so it says in, in Luke chapter 13, verse 12 and 13, And when Jesus saw her, He called her over. And He said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. He spoke to her. And then the Bible says, and he laid hands upon her, and immediately she was made erect." In other words, she stood up. He spoke the word, and then he touched her. Now, there's other accounts where he doesn't do any of those things. In fact, he doesn't even go to the person's house who's sick. It takes place long distance. It's like phone in a healing, almost. Dial up God. God. Make your request, and boom, it takes place. Uh, the story of the, the Roman centurion is, is a such one. He came, one of his servants was sick. Jesus offers to go with him to his home. And the, and, the, and, the, and the centurion says, no, 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 I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. I speak, and my soldiers do this. You just speak. And Jesus said to the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 verse 13, Go your way. Let it be done to you as you have believed. And the Bible says, And the servant was healed at that very same hour. Jesus never spoke anything into the air toward the servant. He just commended the centurion for his faith. Long distance. Now, Jesus also had some real unorthodox means. Okay? And so if you want to be biblical and you want to imitate Jesus, here's one for you to try. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay? And the reason being, in this country, you'll probably get punched in the face. But Jesus used it. It's unorthodox. Okay? And I'll show you what I mean. A man came to Jesus in John chapter 9. He was blind. He was born blind. And there was a big discussion between the disciples over who had sinned, his parents or him. Now, think about that for a minute. It, would, it could possibly be the fact that his parents had sinned. But this man was born blind, so therefore he was blind when he got here. In other words, he didn't have time to sin. He came into the world that way. You know what Jesus' answer was? Uh, neither. He just exploded their theology. And folks, there's a common belief among Christians that the reason a person gets sick is because there must be sin in their life. The reason you're not getting healed, they've got to be sin. You know, sometimes there is. But sometimes there's not. You know what Jesus told them? Neither. The reason that he was born blind is so that the glory of God could come through what happens in his life. And Jesus... Said this, and when he had said this, here's how he did. He spat on the ground. He spit on the ground. And he made clay of the spittle. And he put the clay on the man's eyes. Now, this man had been spit on before. Okay? It was very common for people to walk by beggars and and, and blind people and afflicted people and spit on them. You say, I can't believe people would do that. Well, we do some of the same things. We may not spit on somebody, but you know what we'll do? We'll go, we won't look at them. We don't want to see them. Well, they just go ahead and spit on them. And so Jesus spits on the ground. He heard Jesus spit, and he must have done like that, but nothing got on him. Then he feels something wet on his eyes. And Jesus says to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means translated scent. And so he went away and washed and came back seeing. That's a little unorthodox, wouldn't you think? I mean, let's just be honest. You spit in the dirt, get you a handful of it, put it in somebody's eyes. And the next thing you know, they can see. That's a little unorthodox. There were some other instances. In this particular one, Jesus' healing is gradual. It doesn't just take place, boom, like that. It's progressive, and it's a little bit unorthodox. Look at Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-three and twenty-five. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes, okay, let's stop right there. While ago he spit on the ground. Now he's just spit right in this man's face. Now, let's just—most of us are Alabama folks, okay? There's a few folks from out of state here this morning, but they're from a state that I'll guarantee you feels the same way we do about that. What if somebody spat in your face? Can I just tell you where I come from? If you spit on me, I'm going to punch you. I'm just telling you, I'm warning you folks right now, if you want to heal people with spit, don't come to me because I get all bent out of shape about that. But just think about that. The Bible says, and Jesus spat on him. He he spit on him. Spit on his eyes. And after and then he laid his hands on him. And he asked him, Do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see men, for I'm seeing them like trees walking. In other words, he could see forms and figures, but he couldn't see clearly. So this healing didn't just come boom. It was progressive. Then again, Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and the man looked intently and was restored, and he began to see everything clearly. Now here's my point, okay? Jesus healed in different ways at different times. Jesus didn't use a formula. In other words, he didn't do this and this, and this always happened. He did a whole lot of things, and this would happen. The method he used, and the people that he healed were a direct result of his listening to the Holy Spirit, of seeing where God was working at that very moment, and then joining God at work there. Just didn't heal everybody. He's healed specific ones. There are places where He healed the whole village. There are other places where He healed one or two. There's a man who sat at the gate, beautiful, you've heard me use this illustration over and over and over again. Every time Jesus went to the temple, He went by this man. Jesus never healed him. After Jesus had been crucified and He was resurrected and He ascended into heaven, Peter and John go to the temple And this guy's begging for money. He's not asking for healing. He's begging for money. And what does Peter say? Silver and gold have we none, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Boom! The man gets up and walks. Why didn't Jesus heal him? Because that was somebody else's job. He already had two disciples he wanted to use after Jesus to do that work. Am I making any sense? There's no method here. There's no formula here. Folks, there's no formula we're supposed to follow. Because what happens, formulas do away with our need for God. If I've got a formula, I'm going to work the formula that 's what happens in a lot of in business. you work the formula, you get these results that 's what happens in football. You recruit the right kind of players, you teach them the right kind of plays you don 't have any energy, injuries. Guess what happens? You have winning teams it 's a formula There are pastors who come into churches who have formulas, and the church grows, and the church grows, and the church grows There are all kind of formulas, but when it comes to most spiritual things, there are no formulas because formulas create the results, we need God. There's not a person in this room has, who has the power to heal anybody. But God does. And so He doesn't want us to get all locked up in formulas. He doesn't want us to, to, to bring this out and do this and pray these words. He just wants us to listen. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago about, about going to visit the lady who was pregnant and who'd gone into premature labor. And all God told me to do is command her womb to be shut up. He didn't tell me to anoint her with oil. He didn't tell me. He did tell me to lay hands on her, okay? And I explained to you how I did that. Got her to put her hand there. Her husband put her hands there. And I touched his hands with my fingertips, okay? But God just told me to pray that. He didn't say do this or this or that. I did that and I got out of there. And God did the rest. Am I making any sense? Y'all are looking at me like, Cast at Newgates, except Mary John. She's right, she's she's right with me, okay? My point is, folks, God is not a formula we work. God is God. We obey him. And when we obey him, God works. Whenever God says do this, all God's waiting for is us to partner with him and do that, and he does the rest. We are just conduits who either obey or disobey. And folks, I believe that we have been given the authority to heal in Jesus' name. Like I said, I don't know why some get healed and some don't, but I know this, if God says, pray this, say this, declare that, Proclaim this, if I will just do what he told me to do, he'll do the rest. And I'm supposed to leave it with him. Folks, he may give you something to do or to say that has no precedence. Okay? He may ask you to do something that not necessarily Jesus did. I don't read in here that, that Jesus was supposed to lay His hands on the pregnant lady and say, your womb is to be stopped up. I don't have that biblical example here, but I have this example that whatever God told Jesus to do, Jesus obeyed and God worked. So the, the, the formula is not here, but but what He asks us to do may have no precedence. But typically, I'm going I'm to I'm ease your consciences a little bit, or your, your hearts a little bit. Typically, He acts... In certain ways, very often as believers, we'll anoint somebody with oil and pray over them. Sometimes we'll lay hands on them. Sometimes we don't pray; we we command, we speak a command. There, there's all it's depending on what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. And as you study the the ministry of, of Jesus, you find that Jesus never prayed for God to heal anyone. Jesus acted. On the command of God. Now, we're not Jesus. Amen? Some of y'all are not sure. Let me say that again. We're not Jesus. Okay? So, our hearing is not as acute as His is. But, if God speaks and we obey Him, we do what He does, it's up to Him. Okay? Jesus heard what the Father was doing and He did it. He simply acted in the authority that He had been given when He was guided by the Holy Spirit. If you've heard God's voice and He tells you to command something or speak to something, speak. Command. Don't pray. Well, I'm going to have to pray about this. I'm not sure. You know, don't do that. Just, there have been times when, when we've gathered to pray for somebody that I didn't pray. I spoke in authority. I commanded something or I declared something. There are other times when when I just prayed, I prayed for the healing to come folks if we 'll listen God'll tell us what to do. Jesus used command authority all the time he would command illnesses to leave he'd command diseases to go he'd command demons uh, to that were causing sickness to leave and here's an example it 's found in Luke chapter five verse twelve, the latter part of verse twelve and verse thirteen. The man comes to to uh to Jesus, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you want to. This is not if you want to. This is, Lord, if you want to. If, if you just say the word, I'll be clean. That, he, he was filled with faith. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him and says, I'm willing, be cleansed. He didn't spit on him. He didn't tell him to go bathe in the pool. He didn't do this or that. He just said, be cleansed. He spoke with command authority. And you know what happened? That leprosy had to go. Those cells had to be renewed. His body began to work because God was working. Folks, therefore, I'm saying this. If God tells you to command, use command authority, then don't pray. Just declare it. Act in faith. Now, otherwise, what do we do? We pray. And we listen. And we pray and we listen some more. And we pray and we listen to the Holy Spirit because He will guide us on what to do and when to do it and how to do it. There are times when, when the person that you're praying for needs to confess some sin. There are times when that person needs to go and have some relationships restored. There are times when that person has has spoken curses over their life or curses have been spoken over their life that need to be broken. There are times when that person has vows that are in place that they've made that need to be broken. There are times when, when we need to just be quiet and let God work in their life. And if they'll obey God and we'll obey God, guess what will happen? Change will come. Healing will take place. Freedom will, will be given. Otherwise, we just pray and we listen. Now, for those of you that have the spiritual gifts or gift of healing, the, the, the word is plural in, in 1 Corinthians, which means there are different people who can pray for different things and get different results. Okay? It's a spiritual gift. But that person can't be willy-nilly and do whatever they want. They have to listen to the Spirit of God, and they have to, to, to act when the Spirit of God tells them to. You can look at that at 1 Corinthians 12.8. You, deb- you depend not on your gift, you depend on the Holy Spirit. Now, more often than not, as New Testament believers, here's what we do. We follow the instructions that are in the scripture for us. In James chapter 5 verse 14 through 16 gives us some instructions. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. There is, is the typical way, more often than not, that as believers we pray for one another when someone's sick. We anoint them with oil, we gather around them, we lay hands on them, and we pray in faith, believing. And we leave it with God. Amen? Y'all are... Y'all are... I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to go out on that amen Ladder. Listen to me. God is a healing God. Jesus came to represent God in visible form. We represent Jesus in visible form. Whenever or wherever we go, we carry the kingdom of God with us. We extend it. We took the kingdom of God with us 1,300 miles to Potas, Mexico. Guess what? The kingdom of God was already there when we got there. We just took a little bit more of it. All right, They already had it. And we're extending it in that city. But folks, wherever we go, we take it with us. There's no pattern. There's nothing that if you do this and this, this will always happen. But there is an injunction for us to listen to God. And when we listen to God, God moves. And when God moves, things happen. Folks, we're to act in faith. Faith, real faith, true faith, believes that nothing is impossible with God. That's what real faith is, that my God can do the impossible. He doesn't even know the meaning of impossible. For Him, all things are possible. And folks, He has called us to be conduits of that faith. If you'll believe a little, He'll give you faith to believe more and more and more. And folks, I don't know where the threshold is, but when we reach that place that we believe God can truly do anything He wants to do, He will begin to use us. Remember a few minutes ago I said that Jesus was filled without measure, but we're limited. We're not limited by God. We're limited by ourselves and our own beliefs and our own sin. I don't know what it would be like yet to, to be able to access faith that's not limited. But I'm pressing in. I want to experience it. I want to see God work and do the things that, that He's done from the beginning of creation to right now. I want to see Him do it in places that I go with people that I talk to. Folks, our God hasn't changed. He is still powerful. And He's looking for a few faith-filled men and women who will be a channel through which He can flow. And folks, when He finds a man or a woman like that, He will act according to His nature. And He'll change people's lives. Are you willing to be a person like that Are you willing to act when God says act? No matter what He tells you to do. No matter if it if it's you have to break into a conversation and say, "Hey, I believe the Lord said for me to tell you this," or He says, "I want you to go over there. I want you to hug that person," and you don't know that person. Or are you willing to 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 stop? You see somebody on the street. And God says, that person's hungry. I want you to go in and get him a burger and some fries and a Coke. And by the way, I want you to large size it. Don't just buy the small milk and bring it back and say, hey, hello, sir, hello, ma'am. This is for you. God loves you. Are you willing to do that? Are you just willing to say, you know what? God loves you. Are you willing to just hug a little boy or a little girl that just needs somebody to hug them? See, if we won't do those little things, we're not going to see the big things. Proclamation is about sharing the gospel. Demonstration is about living it out. And folks, if we'll demonstrate it, we'll get all the opportunities we need to proclaim it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Church. Thanks for listening, and have a blessed week.